Good morning. Look at this front row. All the hard lads at the front. I'm going to keep, keep an eye on you, all right? You ready? And Katie's away, some great dancing. I think the next time we do that song, we need to create a dance floor with, with some lights over here. And uh, if you have a flag, you can bring it too. Um, anybody have a flag they want to wave? You can bring it over there and you can dance away to your heart's content. Uh, so, I was waiting for a big introduction there, Amy. The last time I'd done this um, was at a conference and I got this lovely introduction that made me sound really good and nothing like I actually am. So, uh, just to but bring a bit of context, uh, a couple of weeks ago um, I was here leading worship and I just really felt in the middle of that that um, I wanted to share um, this subject that I shared a few weeks ago when I was in America. And uh, I really want us to... I want to share the heart of the prophetic and sort of part of the journey is where I've been on in the last few months for my heart towards it. And uh, what I would love to do then next week is create space for us to worship together and to pray together. And there's going to be no sermon next week, but I'll talk a wee bit more about that. And so um, I'll start my timer, keep us all on track. So this morning, I want to look at the subject of listening to God seeking God and his kingdom. What happens when we actually listen to God, when we encounter God, and then we give that away to those around us? And I want to, I want to talk about it this morning from um, the perspective of the prophetic. So um, simply the prophetic, we're not going to talk about the office of the prophet, these people that hear from God very, very clearly, and um, we've seen it on the news or on Facebook, whatever it is, people getting it right, people getting it wrong. Um, people doing it in a healthy way, people doing it in an unhealthy way. But very, very simply, hearing the voice of God is prophetic. And it says in Matthew that whenever Jesus died on the cross, when it was finished, when it was done, the curtain was torn in two into the Holy of Holies that give access to everyone to hear the voice of God. So if the prophetic is hearing the voice of God, guess what? Everyone in this room is prophetic. Not everyone is a prophet, but everyone is prophetic and can hear the voice of God and can live out what the Father is doing in heaven and live a life that is prophetic. So I've seen the prophetic in so many ways. I've had encouraging words. Um, I have had dreams that um, next thing they've, they've happened or I've spoke to someone and something's came out of the dream. Um, I've had long thought out words where I've written things down over weeks and then um, spoke to someone about them. That's what the Psalms are. The Psalms are just, they weren't written overnight. The Psalms are King David going through life and then starting to write these things down. And actually lots of the Psalms point towards Jesus. Um, I've had it through scripture, through visions, through discernment, um, with discernment just by, with myself and the Holy Spirit, discernment with other people that I'm on the journey with, um, impressions that of feelings. I remember um, in Ukraine, Amy was there and maybe a couple of others were there. Um, Paul maybe was there in Ukraine, one of the first years we had a camp there called the Engine Room Camp. Um, there was about 70 people, and yes, Anastasia, because you were the one interpreting for me. Can you, can you still do it? <laughs> can you still speak it? Um, we were in a room for about three hours, and everyone that lined up, the Lord seemed to have a word for every single one of them. And I remember one person coming up to Anastasia afterwards and saying, did you tell David what I said to you earlier? Because she had shared something with her, and the Lord had then put it in my heart and confirmed her, and she encountered Jesus through it. Um, that was a long time ago. It was great. I've had, I remember one time during lockdown, we had um, 
a 24-7 conference, and we were doing uh, an online um, thing where we prayed for people. And this one lady, uh, that she was in the USA, um, I had written something down that morning. I had spent time in the Lord. I was praying. I wrote down what I felt that he put in my heart. And that, when she came onto the screen, I felt like God was saying, this word is for her. And as I shared the word with her, she started to cry. And she said, it feels like you were in this living room this morning when I was having a conversation with God. And that's what happens when we stop and listen to heaven and ask God, what are you saying today for me and for others? So you... What's your experience of the prophetic? We're not going to get into that this morning because we could be here for a long time. Do you like it? Is it scary for you? Maybe you don't believe in it at all. You believe that it ceased. Um, maybe you do believe in it. Maybe you're hungry for more. Um, maybe the denomination or the religious background that you're from has shaped how you feel about it or how you use it or your interaction with it. Um, does it have a place in your life, in your personal life, in the life of your home? What time do you give um, towards it? What time do you give to understanding it, to reading books about it, to listening to teaching about it? But unfortunately, I'm not here to give a 101 how-to talk this morning. I would love to have coffee with you, and we can go through that at some stage. But what I want to do, and I believe it is more foundational even than the 101 how-to talk, is the heart of the prophetic and simply, when I say the word prophetic, I am saying hearing the voice of God. And the problem is I may give more questions and answers, but that's what Neil's here for because he's so wise. He said, yes, good man. That's what we're all here for, to go on a journey together, to have conversations. And so I want to understand that the prophetic is not just words from a person with the title or with the microphone but it's in our everyday actions, our conversations, our lifestyles as they point to Jesus. So very simply, what I'm trying to say is when I spend time in my chair, in my corner of my living room in the morning, and I speak to God and he speaks to me, something happens where I start to do what Jesus done and listen to what the Father is doing, and something starts to change within me that I become more like Jesus, and so Usually, that means I'm more loving, more gentle, more kind. Not all the time, by the way. More generous. I start to, like, bleed out, ooze out. That's not a bad language. What's so, like, a, a lovely aroma comes out of me. That's better. Because I, as I start to spend time with God, stuff in me that's not quite right starts to change and be more like Him. That is prophetic. And as that oozes out of me. It's the only word I know. Seek, seeps, no, leaks. Somebody get me a better word. Radiates. Yes. People prophetically encounter Jesus because they can have a moment where they think, what does that person have? They maybe know the things that you're going through in life, but the way you are radiating does not correlate with what you're going through. So today, in the time that I have, I want to try and reveal God's heart behind the prophetic. And I believe it will always be done, firstly, from a posture of love that will bring unity, not uniformity, and will bring alignment with the kingdom of God. Now, if you've seen a couple of weeks ago, I had a few people taking a hand out of me because I was talking about ballet dancing. 
But when I was in America, people thought I said belly dancing. So I said, put your hand up if you've done belly dancing. And somebody at the back put up their hand, but it wasn't ballet they'd done, it was belly dancing. So I'm talking about ballet. And so what I'm talking about in, in this is, um, alignment is whenever it keeps us and brings us back on the course with what God's heart is for us, with what the kingdom's view of us is. And so a ballet dancer, not a belly dancer, always has a point that they fix on when they're spinning to keep them from falling. When they're doing moves, that's all I know. Jada could maybe tell me a little more about this. Have you done that yet? No? You're obviously not. She hasn't done it yet. And so it is to realign, bring us back into where God is calling us to be. And it starts in Revelation 4 verse 2. And this was to one of the churches that we talked about way back at the start in January in our visions. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other like you first. You did it first. And so prophecy is a calling back to the first love. And as we were singing this morning, I believe it is a calling back to that place of learning how to rest, to stop and understand who you are when Jesus is in your life. Not all the things you're doing for him, all the gifts that you have, not even the gift of being prophetic, but learning how to stop and understand who you are before anything else. That is what coming back to first love is about. And so it is always a decisive motive of prophecy. It's love. And so God's heart for us is that he is longing for reunion, for passion, and for reconciliation. As we look at... Um, the prophetic through the Old Testament and the New Testament, all I can see is a God longing for reconciliation with his people. And so if everything, everything we do comes from a place of love and honor, it will always be about him and not about us. And it starts with taking time to cultivate a relationship with the Father. There should be a wee picture there, Caleb. A couple of months ago, um, I was lying watching the Formula One, and Sarah comes running in in this, and she's running around the living room going, I'm a superhero, I'm a superhero, and I love to listen. And I thought to myself, you don't want to get too deep and profound, but it was. I'm a superhero, I'm a superhero, and I love to listen. And so what if we, as a people in here, on a daily basis, not out of ritual or religion, but out of love for God, sat down and said, God, talk to me. Talk to me. I'm here to listen. A book that we've done for our uh, midweeks called The Listening Life, the author says this, hearing is something that happens to us. It's instinct. But listening, on the other hand, is something we choose it is a practice of a focused attention. Hearing is an act of the senses, but listening is an act of the will. The life of a disciple, the life of a prophetic person, is one who listens. It's me saying I want to do what the Father is doing in heaven, not what I think I want to do. So we need to stop and ask, what is the Father doing? Because Jesus Christ is our access point to heaven when the curtain was tore in two. And so as we listen, his heart is revealed to us. Seeds are planted inside our hearts. Thoughts are planted. And the kingdom of God starts to come through you and me. And I'll explain a wee bit more about that later. And so as we listen, we receive power from the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, it says, don't move until you receive power. Stay where you are in that upper room until I come down and give you power to accomplish what I'm calling you to do. 
And 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love and desire the spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Why? Because the world needs to hear from heaven. It needs to know the Father's heart. It doesn't need religion. It doesn't need denominations. It needs to understand the Father's heart. And for so long, it's been about one person in the role of the prophet. And most of us in here are probably aware of that or are familiar with that. One person coming to the front and giving a word that isn't in relationship, that not necessarily in accountability with the people that they're giving it to. But today, I want to talk about the kingdom of God that comes through a listening, prophetic people. That's you and me, the body of Christ. What would it look like if we started with a posture of love? And for so long with me, um, it's probably been 2000 and I can't remember, maybe seven, eight, nine years ago that me and Neil walked into this workshop at a conference um, about the prophetic, laughing to ourselves, not really believing in it, not knowing what to expect. And we both came out, we'd encountered God through it. We'd both realized that there was a gift that was available to us that we weren't quite aware of at the time. And so for so long for me, it's been about a word that was to make me feel good to build me up and encourage me. But I feel the heart of the prophetic can actually be summed up. And in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is the same. And it is to bring alignment with the kingdom of God. And so usually if someone comes to you and says, I believe I have a word from God for you, firstly, it should not be a shock because it should align with what you already know. But secondly, it should be a calling for you back into alignment with the heart of God for you, for the nation you're in, for your family, for whatever it is, an alignment with what God is wanting to do, not just to make you feel good and give you goosebumps. Do you understand me? It is a reminder of the covenant with God, of who you are in him. You are my people and I am your God. And so a couple of examples of this for me recently have been, number one would be the youth club. And so uh, we were sitting out in those benches out there and we had talked and we had talked and we had talked until we were blue in the face, isn't that right? About we, we knew what needed to be done in Rich Hill. We knew that there was youth that were, um, you know, wrecking the, we weren't really wrecking the village, just being young people, if we're being honest, they weren't being that bad but they were doing stuff in the village and they were annoying people. And we knew that one of the needs in the village was somewhere for young people to hang out. And I remember I was out running one day and I just felt this simple word from God saying, just do it. Went back to Neil and Neville and Amy as we were sitting there and I said, right, we just need to do it. And that was in June last year. By October last year, we had then eventually got the youth club open. And why I'm saying that is because it was a simple moment where I had stopped and I had asked God, and it was a very simple response, just do it. But it fueled me inside. It fueled us then inside to go and do something about it. And since then, we have over 150 kids on the books, not coming in every week, but nearly 100 coming every week. We're getting to know the young people. We're getting to know their parents. We're getting to know the needs in the village. We're, God has brought alignment with us with us as individuals, with us as a family, coming into alignment with what the kingdom of God is because he wants those young people to know who he is and the love that he has for them. The second one, is there another picture there? 
No, that's not the next one. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah, so one other one during lockdown, and this is close to a lot of people in our heart, uh, in this church. Um, for a long time, I had, I had said no to foster care. I just didn't feel like I was ready for it, um, which was probably quite selfish at the time. But I remember during lockdown, again, um, I was out walking on the, on the roads, and I had stopped, and I said, God, will you speak to me? And I started to, to pray about foster care. Probably Jude had had a conversation with me or Neil, not nagging or anything, just you know, keeping it in the radar. And I remember being overwhelmed with grief, thinking what I felt like God said, what's your excuse now? And for years I had said no, but all it took was one moment with the Holy Spirit, with God speaking to me, that changed my heart and that changed my mindset. And I went back to Nicola and I said, Nicola, I'm ready to do this. And the next morning I had an email through from Home for Good because she had already contacted Jude. But in a moment where I stopped to hear from the Father, alignment with the kingdom of God started, orphans and widows. Things start to occur whenever we stop and listen to what the Father is saying and what heaven is doing. And do you know what I've usually found out? It's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take a change in our mindset. It's going to take a change in even our desire sometimes. And those are just my personal ones, but you all have your own stories of this in here this morning. Christine Westhoff says that we observe the prophetic gift functioning, should be up on the screen, good man, in a variety of places through Scripture. The Old Testament prophets, the life of David, the ministry of David, and all throughout the New Testament, it is diverse in many ways. Each and every prophet had a different style, personality, expression, passion. Their specific assignments were varied, but there is a clear and discernible common thread of purpose and focus running through each each one, and weaving them all together. From start to finish, we can see the purpose of the prophetic gift is to communicate the inspired declaration of God and to call the sons and daughters into alignment with his covenant purpose in Christ. And so the prophetic should always be fully linked with the character of Jesus. What do we read that he done? Who did he hang out with? What did he do? How did he live his life? And so as I reference the Old Testament stories and examples, it all has to be filtered through the character and life of Jesus. And so Ruth Healy Barton says this, that the best thing we can bring to our gifts is our transformed selves. And so what I was talking about there earlier was this. When I am with him, when I spend time with the Father and hear what he is saying, my awareness changes. We start to spot things in our own lives and in society that are being missed. We start to spot people that are being missed. We start to see what God's heart is for Rich Hill whenever we take time to stop. And because it's about union, he is in us and we are in him and we become the visible display of Christ as we live our lives out day by day, when we interact with those around us. And you know, it wouldn't be very nice if um, someone handed you a book. Imagine Neil, he has the Family on Mission book, says, how you doing, my name's Neil Dawson. He hands you the book, that's everything you need to know about me, and he leaves you. It'd be very rude, wouldn't it? What he needs to do is then start to interact with you as you read the book and become your friend and become a part of whatever you're doing. And it's the same with the word of God. 
The word of God is powerful and it's important and it's given to us as a guide and as a manual, but it gives room for us on a journey with the Holy Spirit and with each other to start to learn more and to talk about it and to grow together. And so the Bible is a guide to give us wisdom, but it raises questions. And it's good for us to talk about those questions. It's good for us to work through and try and get answers. It's good for us to be curious together. And I believe that is what makes, that is prophetic in itself, us asking more questions about what God is saying to us about his word. And so in this season, I believe the prophetic is going to move more in relationships around the table and less as public words from the pulpit. We've been doing that really well as a church. On the Wednesday nights, online and upstairs, people have started to engage with each other, what God is sending them through the word. And it's moving away from an understanding of just a personal word, but realizing that what God gives you is to bring alignment, to bring alive the kingdom of God in you and into the people that you meet. Andrew Murray said this, that the center of the church is not a pulpit, but a table. And I, we've been trying to push this for a while now. And I believe this is where the kingdom is going to come. This is where lives are going to be changed as we sit around the table, as we have barbecues together, as we have a coffee together, as we meet and go for, easy, we can go for a walk around the park together, as we start to engage in each other's lives. Because you know what happens? I'm going to ask you to do this at the end. But if I say to you this week, Jenna, you're going to pray for Carolyn all week. You can do this if you want. And I want you to ask and I want you to stop and say, Father, what is your heart for Carolyn? What do you see over Carolyn? And as you start to write things down and you start to engage, guess what happens? Your heart starts to break for Carolyn. It starts to align with the kingdom of God of how he feels about her. And something starts to happen to each other as we start to do that intentionally and pay attention to each other's lives. You become involved with one another. You know, as I read through, um, just skip the pictures there. As I read through the Old Testament, I don't see an angry God filled with wrath and anger. I see a God whose heart was broken because his people, who are supposed to be the vineyard, were supposed to bring beauty in the heart of God to the world, continually broke his heart and came out of alignment with his will and his promises and his covenant. And continually, one after the other, the prophets were sent to say, come back to me and live. And so many times the prophetic word that we, that, that we get or that, that we have to give is a calling back to the heart of God. Come back to me and live. Isaiah 1 verse 2 to 3 says, listen, pay attention. Even the cows know their masters, but my people don't know me. You've stopped listening to me. You've stopped saying, what is the Father doing that I can do it? It was bringing light to things that their heart had grown cold to. It's all about unity. And it's a collective response to God. In Isaiah 14, 26, it says, Proclaim to the whole earth and its inhabitants. And what I believe, um, for so long I would have been 
given a word or I've written things down or I've recorded things that people have prayed over me. But what I've realized is, yes, it's up to me to steward those things and pray over those, but actually it's up to the people around me as well in community to steward what God has said over us. It's not just for a moment right now, but it's a response of a people that it is given to. It's not just up to the prophet. So as someone gives you a word, it's not just up to them um, to follow through what is being said, but it's up to you to let that word come alive into you as you write it down and as you give it to the Father. It's up to us to respond with action that comes from emotion. So as a part of, um, I'm going to end this bit. As a part of the heart of the prophetic, I believe that it is a calling back. What I said earlier, it is noticing the unnoticing and filling in the gaps in our society. Amos 5 verse 24 says, Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. And so what I believe, I believe whenever we spend time with the Father and allow our hearts to be transformed and allow change to happen, we, are start, we will start to notice the unnoticed and we will start to notice where justice needs to be brought into our society. Justice is giving everyone what they are due. It brings balance. And in the Greek, it is the word dyad, which means eight. So imagine the number eight. It's a balancing of two sides. So where we don't see balance in our lives and in society, it's not God's will. His, his will is to bring balance and justice. And the purpose of balance is restoration. And so right now, maybe God's already speaking to you about somewhere that you are call, you're being called to bring balance or restoration. Maybe you've been called to bring justice. Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe it's something to do with poverty, something to do with crime or education. Maybe it's something to do with law. Maybe it's something to do with race. But as we take time to sit and hear the voice of the Father, things will start to change in our hearts. Um, I had some statistics for this next bit that were very American. So um, I went on and found some stuff for Northern Ireland that maybe Jude, you could give us updated numbers at some stage. But when we start to spend time with the Father, our hearts start to be broken. As of March the 31st, 2021, 3,530 children and young people were in care in Northern Ireland, the highest number since the act was introduced. Three hundred and thirty thousand people in Northern Ireland are living in poverty right now. One in five. Thirty thousand of them are pensioners. One hundred and ten thousand of them are children. One in four children are living in poverty. One in four children are living in poverty. Does that sound like balance? Overall, two in five people in Northern Ireland report feeling lonely always or often, which represents nearly 760,000 local people in Northern Ireland. So when we, this is the heart of the prophetic. It's not to make people feel good. It's not to, their side effects. The prophetic is when we sit and we take time with the Father, 
he starts to stir our heart for injustice, to bring balance. But it starts with what he does in our own lives with balance. As he starts to break our heart, as he starts to fuel us for what lies ahead. And so as we even look at some of the stats and some of the American stats that were up there, they're, they're very high. It can be overwhelming. But you know what our job is simply to do? Our job is to start to punch holes in the darkness. And as we start to punch holes in the darkness, the light starts to break through. Hope starts to flood in. People can see that the small change, and, and I still look back to what we even were doing with the youth in the youth center. We couldn't have imagined the amount of young people that we would get to know in the last eight, nine months. But we decided to start punching holes in the darkness of society. And so whenever I read through the Old Testament, this is what I see of the prophets. And this is where I want to be as I spend time with God. They were overwhelmed with catching a glimpse of the heart of God. It made them grieve and it made them mourn, but it then made them respond. And those stats that I read this morning, there's lots more, but they should make you grieve and mourn this morning and they should make us want to respond. I find that the prophetic always leads to the practical. And so the prophets, the prophets they brought the, the Old Testament, the Old Testament, a glimpse of the tension of God's heart. And I want the same for us. I want a glimpse of the heart of God. Because what I found, whether I doubt something or I don't believe something, when I spend time with the Father, I become a far nicer person to be with. I become a far more generous person. I become far more loving. I become far more aware of people that are around me that need to know the love of Jesus. And so to the prophets, God was overwhelmingly real and he was shatteringly present. So what God, what's God saying to you? Has he already broken your heart for something that is too much for you by yourself? Has he given you something as you spent time in the quiet place with him that you need to share with us on this journey? Because I believe it is all going to be done at the table together. Revelation 3.20 is saying, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together as friends. And so what I want to encourage you to do, just like last week, is that we take time to sit down and have open dialogue with the Father. And what I would love you to do is what I uh, encourage Jenna and uh, Carolyn to do. If there's someone here that you feel you want to say after this morning, could we pray for each other this week? And then have a coffee and spend some time again praying over one another. Or maybe there's a, a group of, of men or ladies you want to do the same thing. But it's the way that God is going to break our heart for what we're going through or things that we have that he's given us. And I would really encourage you to do that. I want to read you one more thing as I finish. 
uh, I don't know if you've seen it, I follow Pete Gregg from 24-7 Prayer on Facebook, and he put up this article yesterday, and it's in The Times, and it was written by one of their um, lead, what do you call it, journalists, that's the one, and it, I'll, I'll just read it out to you. Jesus loves me. It was late, nearly midnight, and I was walking the six miles home from a pleasant and lively speaking engagement, not 500 yards from the Carlton Club. The journey took me down Fleet Street and straight through the city, streets and lanes ghostly, almost desert, deserted uh, at that hour. On a corner close to the Bank of England, I paused at a complicated intersection, and a cyclist pulled up beside me. He was in his 20s, a bit disheveled and hairy, but harmless looking. Was it you, Neil? No? He was riding a delivery bike, no doubt with a very late delivery. I had been paid £1,000 for attending the dinner, and he was being paid perhaps £14 an hour. You're Matthew Paris, he informed me. I confirmed this. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus? I replied that I'm sure Jesus existed and love and respect the character whose description has come down to us through the ages, but that I do not believe he was the Son of God and do not believe in God at all. But he said he was, said the young man. I replied that Jesus probably was under a misapprehension. The cyclist paused to think. Well, he said, Jesus loves you, even if you won't acknowledge him. I will pray for you. And with that, the cyc he cycled off. I walked on, curiously moved. I walked on, curiously moved. And so as I read that, that's, that's what I want to try and do this week. I don't want people walking away curiously moved because I'm another. But I want to spend time with the Father that I can't help but love people and be generous and kind and gracious and have them walking away from interactions with me curiously moved because they have encountered the heart of God. That's the prophetic in action. I got to do that a couple of weeks ago. I met an old friend of mine. And uh, I remember we were sitting, having a meal together. I think this is where it's always going to happen. Not always, but a lot of the time. And as he just started to share his heart with me, I just felt like overwhelmed to tell him what I seen in him. And as I told him what I seen in him, it wasn't in a thee, thou, it was just in conversation. He started to cry and say, do you really believe that about me? And I realize that there are so many people out there, they just need to be told what you see in them. So if, you've, if you don't know where to start, just tell people what you see in them. Just call out the gold and the beautiful things in people. It's not your job to judge or to tell them what they're doing wrong. It's your job to help them encounter Jesus that will draw them to himself. So I'll leave you with that, and uh, any questions, Neil will be sitting ready for coffee there. Enjoy your 24 degrees today. Uh, that is cloudy. Um, unfortunately, we're not getting lovely sun, and uh, we're enjoy your tennis today on Formula One. Any other sports on today? No? You want to watch that? seen all the cars heading down yesterday with their flags. Let me just pray for you, um, and then we'll, we'll go about our day. 
Yeah, Lord, thank you that thank you that your heart is just for us to walk closely with you. And I thank you that in the middle of all this, we get grace to muck it up. But Father, my heart today is to intentionally take time to hear your voice. That will bring transformation to me and to those that I meet. And so I pray that for us, Lord, this morning, that as people interact with us, that they will be curiously moved because of who lives within us. In your name we pray. Amen.